0: psalm for the class that I think best represents them, and I pray that this would be a psalm that they would memorize, cling to heart. This psalm that I chose, Psalm 67, isn't one of the famous psalms that we have done in the past, but it's a missional psalm whose emphasis on God being known, God being praised, enjoyed, and fear amongst all nations. Um, You look at our graduates, you can tell that they are from many different nations. Um, And it's a joy at Faith Baptist Church that we have that privilege that God is represented from all different people, tribes, nations, and tongues. And what my desire today in reading this psalm and in dedicating it to you all is that you would take the heart of this psalm and apply it to your life. Let's go ahead and read Psalm 67. To the choir master with string instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. I want to impress upon you all, and forgive me tonight if I mainly am looking down here at this row, because I am speaking to them. I want to impress upon you all tonight a missionary zeal that is seen in this psalm. And what you're seeing is, in the same way he desired, the psalmist desired personal blessing, it wasn't just to be left to themselves. That personal blessing was to explode out and touch other people. You see, God wants to bless you in your lives so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants to use you as a vehicle of his divine grace. Uh, Pastor H.B. Charles writes about this psalm, that the psalmist wanted to be a channel of God's blessing, not a terminal. Wanted to be a river of God's blessing, not a reservoir. Wanted to be a pipeline of God's blessing and not a faucet into his own house. He wanted to be blessed so that he could be a blessing. And I submit to you, this is how God desires for us to operate through our lives and in this church. God desires to use you to reach the world for his glory. And as the leaders have said and I have said too, you guys have had a unique desire to see your friends transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The boldness that I've seen in your class, I pray that it keeps on extending and expanding in our youth ministry, that our youth ministry grows organically through new converts that are changing lives. This isn't the message that you're going to hear at your commencement speeches next month, though. You're going to hear a lot about chasing your dreams and pursuing your vision for your life. Aspire to accomplish your goals. You're going to be hearing, be true to yourself Live for yourself. Strive for yourselves. But teens, you've learned in 180 Youth, you are not to be the center of your world. You have recognized and you've heard that we are in this world, but not of this world. You have been saved by God for so much more just to live for yourselves and live for your dreams and your goals. Here's the thing that I want you to see in this psalm, and we've talked about so much in 180 Youth Ministry You are part of something so much bigger, compelling, and expansive than any American dream. Any American dream. We even heard it this morning in our testimony from Pastor Crompton. Just the man that's life's transformed and how he, one pastor, can go and and teach eight pastors. And the ripple effect that we're going to have, the gospel changes everything. Here's the thing that you need to understand. You were created by God, for God, to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. You are rescued by Jesus to know him and to make him known. So you have a choice to make. Will you live to accomplish your dreams? Or will you live to accomplish the plan of God in your life, which is to reconcile the world to himself? I want to spend my time with you to plead with you to choose God's mission. Church family, I also want to plead with you as I'm talking to them to choose God's mission for your life. It doesn't matter if you are retired. It doesn't matter if you are young. You can still fulfill the great commission upon your life. And that is what this psalm is for. My first point is this. God wants to use you so that the world may know him. Verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Verse one of our psalm comes from God's uh, commands that he gives to Aaron and his sons, the priests of Israel. He tells them to use these words to bless the people. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, it's an Aaronic blessing says this The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Numbers, the focus is almost entirely on the well-being of Israel. Here, however, the blessing of Israel, you notice it's extended and it says to all the nations, that all the nations would hear. God also said this to Abraham uh, when he left his father's house in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, says this, I'll make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed this psalm is connected to God's intended purpose for the nation of Israel and his covenant with Abraham that through them the world would be blessed the blessing from God would include things that are temporal material and physical blessings And I do pray that God would give you those things. But more so than that, there's something greater than the temporal and the material. Look in our passage. The greatest blessing that we can see is is this, and make his face shine upon us. When this is used, it means God's presence in our lives. You need to understand this. It is experiencing the covenantal love of God. What does that mean? The promise-keeping God who always is faithful to his word. That is a blessing. His face shining upon us It's delighting in God and God in us. You see, Adam and Eve were in the presence of God, but because of the shame over their sin, they had broken fellowship with God and they were dismayed. They actually, the Bible says that they hid themselves from God or they hid themselves from the presence of God. They needed God and our world needs him as well. Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit, got what they wanted, but it turned out that's not what they needed. Only in Christ can you find Fulfillment. Graduates, you can only be satisfied when your life is in Christ's hand, when Christ is the center of your life. No one, and I mean no one, can be more satisfying and than you than Christ. No boyfriend, no girlfriend, no husband, no wife, no job, no child, no career, no hobby, no fortune, no fame. Nothing is going to get in the way of Christ. He is all that we need. So cling to this truth. You can't find joy. You can't find peace. You can't find contentment. You can't find any sense of fulfillment outside of God himself. God has made you for himself. And as the Westminster Catechism says, we exist to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But you will live in a world that is perplexing and tells you to look within yourself. The world will say to strive for fulfillment in your life through hard work and grit. But here, may I remind you, and we just went through uh, Ecclesiastes earlier this year, nothing is new under the sun. Solomon had it all. He had wisdom, he had fortune, he had fame, he had women, he had everything and all, and he says all of it was hebel, or it was vanity, it was wind, it was just blowing away like the chaff. In fact, he says it's, it will leave you crazy. Here's the thing. You're never going to quench your thirst and things of this world. But Christ, who is your sure and steady anchor, he can give you shalom. He can give you peace. Verse 1 records a prayer request for God's blessing upon our lives. And verse 2 records the results of this blessing. Notice this. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. When you see the word that in the Bible, it's a purpose clause, and it's showing you what came previously. The psalmist teaches us here how to pray personally and selflessly. And when he prayed for blessing, it wasn't just for him. It's so that he could be a blessing to others. Is this your heart I want God to bless me, to shower me with blessings so that I can declare to others how good he is and how much he is needed. And this is astounding when you think about it. God bless me, but not just for me. Bless me so I can bless others. This is a pivotal thing in your life if you grasp this concept. Because so often we think, okay, it's good to be a good Christian, I won't do this, I won't do that, but live for something greater than you. Live for a greater vision to be on mission. Notice what it says in the passage, that your way may be known, your saving power. The resurrecting king has come to rescue those who are perishing. Knowing this truth, clinging to this truth will transform your life because you're going to live differently You're going to look at people differently and how God can change their life. And here's the thing that you need to understand. God can use you to save people. He can use you, even as you get older, to transform people's lives. One of the reasons I included um, that funny picture of Emmanuel when he straightened his hair in our grad night video is because I have a good story about him that I wanted to share Uh, We don't typically take people who graduate from uh, middle school on mission trips, but this year, that year, 2019, we made an exception and we went to New Mexico. Uh, In in New Mexico, obviously, as Lance said, you could tell he was one of the younger ones, but if if we're all being honest, when we were in middle school, I know, I'll admit, I was very immature, rambunctious. Um, Look at my kids and you can tell there's a, a, a slight bit worse than them, okay, maybe a lot more. Um... But when we were there, I can remember there was a kid that was very honoring, very bad. There was a kid that I was like, Lord, if you allowed corporal punishment, I wish I could be the one that mediated it, because this kid needed his tail end to be, yes, you know. Um, So Emmanuel, for some reason, this kid took to Emmanuel. And I remember on the last day or second to last day, Uh, when we're at the church in New Mexico, that there's an invitation that's given, and this boy comes up to Emmanuel, and I talked to him again about it, and asked to be saved. And here am I, as a youth pastor, and I'm honestly, I'm kind of choking up, because I'm seeing, I'm like, my teen gets to have that experience to lead someone to the Lord as an eighth grader? I said, how awesome is it that we get to be a part of what God is doing to transform lives for Jesus Christ and that my eighth grader gets to see it. And that fire that started in eighth grade has spread through the youth ministry where we keep having teens and different people, his friends coming over because he has this passion to win him to the Lord. That started there. You, you grasp it. And the rest of you all, you grasp the saving power of Jesus Christ should be known amongst all the nations. You didn't just see the mission trip as something just to, okay, let's go have fun. And we did have a fun time at our host house. They had a little uh, putt-putt in their backyard. But you saw it more than that. Let's go transform lives for Jesus Christ. God wants to bless us. God can use you all, church family, wherever you are to transform someone's life. Do you want to be a part of it? I talked to the teens about that this morning, but I want to reiterate it to you all. Don't for a second think someone is too far away from God. Not for a second. Because we can, if we raise him, we could have people here that you would think are too far from God that are sitting here today worshiping King Jesus. Don't for a second forget, God is the one that saves. God is the one that transforms. But he wants to use you as his vessel to be a blessing to the nations. So let him use you. You see, God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to the world. Sin in the lives of people have shut them away from God and people can't know God unless someone is willing to proclaim the gospel to them. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Someone has to actually speak the words of God from his word for someone to be transformed by the gospel. You can't just do it putting money into offering plate. You have to actually speak with your mouth and do something. Realize, graduates, you get to be a part of something so much bigger than yourself. Something that has literally lasted for ages, from generation to generation. Some of you here, if you talk to your parents, you might be a first-generation Christian or a second generation. If your parents are here, like, and they think that can have a ripple effect, the generations that can be transformed by that. God wants to use you to proclaim his message so that people would know him but then also that people would worship him. Verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse 3 and 5 are identical and would indicate the passion of the psalmist. He's longing for the nations to praise God. He's longing for them, as Psalm 101 says, for them to make a joyful noise to the Lord and all the earth. The greatest goal of the psalmist was for God to be rightly praised and worshiped. In the book, Let the Nations Be Glad, Pastor John Piper writes, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. God is worthy of highest praise. He's delivered up from his wrath by the shed blood of his one and only son and he's given us a new life. He deserves our loudest praise. Now understand this psalm was written in a time when people were worshiping an untold plethora of gods and they would make sacrifices and do ridiculous things to appease the gods. Some of them would have temples dedicated to immorality to praise the gods. Others would gorge themselves on food and then vomit it out to honor their gods. And others would even offer up their children as living sacrifices. We don't have that specific type of behavior in America, obviously, today. But the same desire is there for people to live on their own mission and to worship other things. You see, some people do offer up their children to the gods of sports, and the gods of academics. And while those things aren't bad, they're not ultimate. And remember that. Some people offer up themselves to the virtual temples of immorality and pornography. Don't get bogged down in that. Others in binging on things from Netflix to alcohol to drugs. You see, our world is an idol factory. Here's the thing you need to understand. An idol is anything that we place as more important than God, anything that absorbs our heart and our imagination more than God, anything that we seek that only God can give us, what you and I need to understand at the root of idolatry, it's sin. It's building your life and meaning on anything and even very good things more than God Whatever we build our life on will drive us and enslave us. And idolatry is a worship problem, so don't fall into this trap of worshiping something that you weren't meant to worship. The nations are worshiping romances, their cars, their spouses, their children. And in regards to your careers, as you guys go off to college, you have people ask you, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to major in? Uh, You're going to have the pressures. That you may have some friends, which I did, or you have friends that are making money almost instantly and they're driving flashy cars. You will feel the pressures to step up and prove yourself. You'll be tempted to take this job and to skirt your integrity. Don't make an idolatry out of your career. You do that, it will lead to anxiety, obsessiveness, addictions, envy of others, resentment. Don't worship at the feet of Wall Street worship at the feet of King Jesus. And whatever you do, seek him in his highest praise. Let, here's the thing you need to understand. It doesn't mean that you can't use your abilities. Use whatever gift, talent, and abilities you have to the best of your abilities to glorify God. And maybe it's not something to do anything with ministry per se, but do it with excellence so people can see something's different about you. But what is it about you that you have integrity? What is it about you that you work hard? What is it about you that you care so much about people? Let people know that you worship the God based on how you live your life. The psalmist wanted God to bless them so that the nations would sing praises of God and worship him forever. And he goes on to tell them that they shouldn't worship idols. But then also he says this in verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Okay, first, there is joy in the justice of God. But you kind of have to free the nations should be glad and sing for joy because of God's judgment? At first glance, you may think that's a typo. Wait, wait God's judgment? Why should the nations be glad about God's judging? Why? Because God is a God of justice. Okay, God is a God of righteousness, purity, and holiness. God is not one that will contend based on color of skin, size of your your brain, the place you were born, your bank account. God is righteous and pure and holy. And oh, our world needs this. Our world needs to hear this. This is a good segue into the gospel when you tell them about the desire that you have for justice, the desire you have for righteousness, Only God can give this. Not only that, God is a God of guidance. You see, God guides, and I'm not going to get there with the time that we have left, but I just want to mention to you, in this guidance, it's he's directing your way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Remember what I said to you all so many times in youth group, and I say it about myself too, I don't know anything. I don't. You don't know anything. Don't look to your peers for wisdom. They don't know anything. I'm thankfully in an office with with everyone who's 50 and older, so that's where I go and get my wisdom. (laughs) So I don't look to, I love my peers, I think they're great, but I look to people who have a few gray hairs to give me some wisdom. Wisdom. Look to people who've actually experienced life to give you wisdom. Teens, you know how much I begged you and I've told you, I can't believe. I remember even talking to some of our college students. Don't listen to your dumb friends. They don't have life experiences. Listen to people that have been through things. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble for that one. (laughs) God wants to use you that people would know him. God wants to use you that people would worship him. And lastly, God wants to use you that people would fear him. Verse 7. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. What is the fear of God? It's to be overwhelmed by the power of God, by his greatness, by the awe of God. And and, and here's the thing that you need to understand. There's a difference for Christians to fear God and people to be afraid of God. Christians aren't supposed to be afraid of God because we're not supposed to be afraid of his wrath because the son has taken the wrath for us. We fear God. We have holy reverence. We rejoice and we tremble because we still know he's powerful, but we don't fear his judgment upon our lives because his son has taken it us. You see, people need to fear God in their lives. Graduates, you're going to have different fears. What will I major in? Will I make friends? Facing the unknown? Will I keep my faith? Will I find a soulmate? There are numerous fears that you can have as you go on to the next level. But when you fear, know this, there's always God's word that's there to calm you in your fear. When I'm afraid of facing difficulties in my life, I remember Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When I'm afraid of facing mistreatment because of my faith, I remember Psalm 118.6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When I'm afraid, if I will be tempted to lead the faith, what do I remind myself with? Romans eight thirty nine. nothing in all creation will be ever to separate me from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I take myself back to scripture because that's what I want to put my foundation on. You see, this world has fears. They, they have fears of the unknown, fears of this and that, but we, we have a God who promises that, hey, we may not know the future, but we know who holds the future. And he's always on our side. And he's going to work all things out for our good. Does that mean that everything's going to go easy in life? By no means. But our ultimate good is that we would honor him and make a difference with our lives. And that's what I want for you three. And that's what I want for our church family God wants to make a difference with your life. God wants to use us all that people may know him. God wants to use us all that people would worship him. And God wants to use us that the world may fear him. Let God use you today. Don't think beyond a shadow of doubt that I don't have the skill, I don't have the ability, I don't have the talent, I don't have that knowledge. No, no, no. God can still use you right where you are to transform lives for eternity. May God do that in your life. Let's pray. Amen. Father, again, I just come to you and I just pray that this psalm would resonate in their heart, the mission psalm, Lord, the psalm that we need to know that you want the nations to be glad and to rejoice because you are a God. Your saving power can transform their hearts. And I pray for our seniors as they go off into college and their next steps in life That they would have this burden, this desire, Lord, to know you, to honor you, and love you. In your name, amen.